You're listening to Californiando with my boy Tovar. Que onda raza? Welcome back to Californiando. We're coming to you from the Donde Están Las Mangueras Studios. This is your host Tovar, and today I'm riding solo because El Señor BC is in Monterrey, Mexico, watching our beloved Dodgers play. We will definitely do a podcast recap of his trip once he gets back. And speaking of trips, we wanted to let you guys know that we are adding more features to the podcast. We're going to start doing some traveling features on what we like to do when we visit certain California cities and what there is to do in cities and countries that we've already visited. We're also going to be working on a weekly or bi-weekly sports feature with El Compa Ozzy de Fontana, California, where we recap the previous week in sports. And of course, we'll continue with our food and highly popular interview features. So thanks for listening and do us a favor and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Leave a positive review if you can, and heck, leave a negative one if you want to, but just leave a review if you can. So without further ado, hay que empezar el show. Today's guest is from the lovely city of Santa Barbara, California. So let's get straight to the Tiro Rápidos, and that's rapid fire for the non-Spanish speakers. First two words that come to mind to describe yourself. Passionate, interesting. What do you love? Uh, I love working with people. I, I really enjoy getting to know each person on an individual level and getting to know who they are and their, you know, things they enjoy doing, you know, their passions, their interests, their life stories, because ultimately he, our whole lives are built around the relationships we form. So so you could say you love people. I truly do. I love that. LA to you is? Uh, extremely unique. Your favorite hobby? Playing sports, frisbee. What's your passion in one word? Teaching. D-Lux. d Let's start with this. Do you have any nicknames? So I got a couple of nicknames. And, All right. they, and they vary from, from different spheres of my life. So All right. the first one that... Give, my, give us your nicknames and then a little background on each nickname. Okay, so my general nickname with my majority of my friends that I spend time with, my close group, my close-knit group, is Barbar. My last name is Bartholomew. Okay. Um, so they just kind of abbreviated it for Barbar. Okay. Um, there's no specific story to the background for that one, but it's just an abbreviation, easy to say, rolls off the tongue, Barbar. Barbar. I haven't been called Jacob by my friends in a long time, which is a, a funny thing. So but, let's, you know, let's backtrack. What is your name? My name is Jacob Bartholomew, a.k.a. Right. Gregorio Cortez, alias El Chupacabra, Juan Cabernet, Papi Chulo. <laughs> D-Lug, brother, that was I D-Lug. Was so just for the, for the uh, listeners to get a little feel for it, your name is Jacob Bartholomew, so mm-hmm. uh, instead of saying Bartholomew, they say Barbar. Yep. Okay, any other nicknames? Sorry about uh, that. So I played uh, Frisbee in uh, college. I played with Frisbee in college um, with UCLA's team over there called Smog. And kind of a tradition for the team is you get a nickname. Okay. And your nickname is kind of earned through your interactions with your teammates throughout the season. And you every year we have this rookie night mm-hmm. where all the rookies get together and we tell a story, like a funny story about ourselves to kind of, you know, kind of break the ice and get the, have the team get to know kind of us. Team chemistry. Team chemistry, exactly. Right. Um, and we'll tell this story, and generally this story helps determine our nickname. Uh-huh. So my story, the, the short version of it, was that I was in Palm Springs, and I went streaking Ooh. down a golf course. Ooh. And in the, you know, there's a hotel called the Mirage in the yeah. desert, 
And so I told this story at this rookie night. And so when they named me for my Frisbee name, they called me Mirage. <laughs> so that was the name that's used for Frisbee. I don't use that name in everyday life with, you know, my, with my friends. But for my old uh, alumni teammates and former teammates playing UCLA, they, you know, call me by that nickname. So kind we, of a goofy thing. So we got Barbar, Bar, we got Mirage. Anything else? The most recent nickname that I have to be is Chester. Chet, oh, oh, and give us that story. Chester brother. is my alternate personality, <laughs> and Chester is was built upon the fact that the last time I went to Palm Springs, I normally have a, a you know beard, mustache, scruff, kind of a look. rough look. Okay, and I shaved the beard off, and I left just the mustache. Ooh. So my one of my friends called me Chester and said, "You know what, Jacob? When you go out and you're partying, have fun with your friends." And you're in this mode with a mustache. You're no longer Jacob anymore. You're now Chester. Hey. Chester B, as they say. Hey. Chester B is the is the, the animal that comes out to play on a uh, many a wild night. So. so so you could you say that that that's your uh, Frank the Tank? That that could be my Frank the Tank moment. Chester. Chester B. I like that. I like, I really like that. Uh, what about? I like I like to call you one thing and one thing only. The Bromigo. Hey. Can you can you uh, touch on how that came about? So we kind of just developed our own lingo. Yeah. And for sure. As you know, uh, you coined the term, and so we use things like bromigo, brosive, whatever it is, and that's become our our mantra um, between us. So this is the bromigo Walter Tobar. A D Lux. So for this episode, I'm I'm just gonna refer you as the bromigo. Perfect. You good with that? I'm good with that. Fantastic. So those are some deluxe, deluxe nicknames. Give us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up in Santa Barbara, um, actually specifically Goleta, which is kind of like the suburb area um, down in Santa Barbara for any of those that are familiar. And, you know, it was kind of your typical kind of middle class neighborhood growing up uh, around there. Um, it was me, my younger brother, four years younger than me, mom and dad, a couple dogs, you know, kind of the... Nothing exciting, kind of a run-of-the-mill um, family setup, but uh, you know it was a really kind of perfect place to grow up for any kid. Doesn't matter who you are, because you had the beach right there, you had you know the the hills behind you where there was hiking and camping. Um, you know you could go downtown, you can get great great food downtown. You can go ride your bike. You could go you know kids could go play outside, and you would never have to worry about too much traffic or you know people you know running over or you know any okay. crime or stuff like that. It was very it was a very safe and kind of exciting place to be as a kid because you could explore the whole area. Um, very, very uh, small town USA. Small town-ish, you know. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like <clears throat> one thousand, two thousand people. It was you know thirty thousand people going oh, wow. out there, maybe twenty thousand. Um, but it you know kind of felt like you were in your own world out there in Galita. Um, but it was a great, great place to grow up. Really was. Give us a little background on on where Galita is uh, situated. So Goleta, if you're taking the 101, you come up to Santa Barbara, and you most people usually stop in Santa Barbara, see the Wharf downtown, State Street, whatever it is. Um, you keep going a little bit north, and you go up toward the university, if you know where UC Santa Barbara is. Mm -hmm. And basically where you would get off to go to UC Santa Barbara, you would just go the opposite way. My place, my place is about two miles um, towards the mountains okay. over there. So it's very close to the university. I, you know, grew up next to high school, middle school, you know, very family-friendly okay. um, area. Very suburb-like. Galita. Galita. Nice. The good land, as they like to call it. Now you're talking my language. Background on growing up in Galita. How was it? Did you enjoy it? So Galita is, uh, as I said before, is a great place to grow up. Um, 
mainly because you have the opportunities to you know have you can know, play sports in the area okay. and it's it's again it's a very safe place and you can kind of explore as a kid which for me was a, a great great thing to do was mm-hmm. you know ride bikes wherever I want stay out till dark you mm-hmm. know you know camp out do all these things go to the beach and kind of have a lot of freedom to maybe not be as available in other places that you might grow up okay. um, so that freedom was really important for me in my development is to have the opportunity to kind of be allowed to go out and do the things that I wanted to do in the yeah. area that I grew up. So awesome. That's that sounds deluxe. Take me through was there any difference between uh, elementary school, middle school and high school? Or is it or, or was it was it the kids you went to middle school with, you went to elementary, the kids you went to high school with, you went to middle school with? So it wasn't so small town that you knew every single person and everyone knew everyone and there was, you know, a lot of you know, you know, small town vibes mm-hmm. like that. It was still a big enough place that you, you know, we all went to school, elementary school, and you had your friends, but then by the time you got to middle school, it kind of combined the different different communities within Goleta, okay. and people kind of came together, and you made new friends, and you met new people, and by the time you were going to middle school, high school, you kind of found your niche, or you kind of found the people you are going to be with, and then from there it would go. But it wasn't so small town that you felt like, you know, oh, I know everyone, and okay. I can't escape it, and it was still big enough that you could, you know, have your own identity and meet different people. And, and what did that diversity in middle school, high school look like? Um, the diversity in the in middle school, high school, I mean, in terms of the demographics of it, yeah. I mean, I would say Goleta was not like Los Angeles, where you have, you know, extremely ethnically diverse mm-hmm. um, population. It wasn't like you had, you know, all the different, you know, sub-regions of Los Angeles, Mid City, East Side, yeah, you know, South Bay, West Side, whatever. So what um, was it? Uh, the demographic. I mean, it was most. It, it was mainly, um, you know, uh, people uh, whites, mm-hmm. and there was you know Asian population. There was a Hispanic population. There was you know a few African Americans. Um, okay. But I was fortunate to grow up in a very. I felt. I felt like very liberal minded town, a very okay. liberal minded family, to where. Those issues of race and and uh, uh, issues related to it were not really very prevalent in my life, and I never felt like in the schools that I went to that that was an issue, which okay. I felt like is a big blessing and a and a you know a thing that I really value now as an adult that I grew up despite the fact that it was not very diverse that I grew up with a with a great upbringing and a very liberal mentality. Nice, it. nice. So you were you were accepting of all. Yeah, and, right. and that, I, I, I lend a lot of that to my parents and their background, too, because it easily could have been a different scenario in a lot mm-hmm. of communities mm-hmm. where it's mainly, um, you know, white population. Um, okay. People grow up with ignorant, yeah. you know, mindset. So I was very fortunate for that with, with my family upbringing. That's awesome. Uh, in high school, do you start thinking about college? I, I mean, for me, college was an unspoken agreement between me and my parents. Okay. Uh, my mom grew up and she went to Occidental College, which mm-hmm. is over here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. on the east mm-hmm. side, yeah. well, east of Pasadena. And my dad grew up in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, um, Penn State. Hey. Um, Nittany Lions, go to hey. um, And, you know, we kind of grew up in a, in a relatively educated family. So the question of going to college was, it was never really there. It was not a question. It was not a question. Um, it was just a matter of where would I decide to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I think... You know, in my college decision, I didn't go through a rigorous process of deciding which school I wanted to go, what career path that I want to go down. I was like, you know what? I have I have my things together. You know, my grades should be good. I'm just going to kind of, you know, shoot out to a few few schools and it's all going to work out and kind of took it for granted. 
Um, and thankfully, everything's worked out. But I think in my college search and something that I recommend to everyone is, you know, do your research mm-hmm. on your schools and don't go in it with this mentality that, you know, like, oh, I'm going to apply to a few places. It's going to work out, you know really make an effort to find the place that you want to go to and apply to as many places as possible, in-state, out-of-state, wherever, because whether you believe you're going to get in or not, you at least want to feel like you've, you've explored every single venue you can and that you feel like you've done everything you could to put yourself in a position to succeed. So I mean, that that is great, great info for, for people listening and for students listening, for parents listening, anyone listening, that's great info. So, so give me some examples of, of those uh, unspoken of, those maybe innuendos, those maybe subtleties that, that, that were shown to you that you have to go to or you are going to college. So it's an interesting question for me because I haven't really spent a lot of time actually reflecting on that question. Because uh-huh. Again, when I say unspoken, it meant kind of implied and there was no second thought to yeah. it. But looking back on... on you know, my journey to college and my childhood growing up that my mom went to college, her mom went to college, mm-hmm. um, her grandfather was a professor in college and taught at a university. Um, and while my father and, you know, a lot of his family members did not go to college, um, I guess the biggest factor that contributed to me going to college and having this unspoken agreement was that my parents never questioned my ability, never questioned my talent, um, and never really second-guessed who I was. And so when they, I supported me kind of in everything that I did and whether it was my sports that I was in, the academics I pursued, the after school activities, you know, whatever it was, they always supported me and always gave me their full vote of confidence, which ultimately encouraged me to apply wherever I want and to kind of do whatever I want. And they gave me the opportunities to pursue that. So when I think back again on what the kind of unspoken agreement was, it was, it was just more that my parents kind of gave me unconditional support and believed in me. Regardless, and it was up to me to decide what I wanted to do with my own future um, with that support. So what I'm getting out of this, is, and, and it's a very important thing to touch upon, at the end, of, they believed in you. Mm-hmm. And you felt that. Mm-hmm. Okay? So so for any parent out there, just, just believe in your kids, right? Mm-hmm. And believe in them and, and, and let them know that they're going to... They're going to do something with themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to college. They're going to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, I appreciate for that. You know you're going to college. You've applied. Did you apply to numerous places? So I applied. My application, again, I wish I had applied. Reflecting back, I wish I had applied to more places and kind okay. of done a more rigorous Why? search. Why? Because I feel like there's a lot of opportunities out there that people do not realize about. And whether that means out of state or in state or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But college, undergraduate universities are places of... of young adults that have so many ideas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. different things they want to contribute that it doesn't matter if you don't know what your career is. If you right. say you find a passion that you want to do, a hobby, a sport, music, theater, uh, nonprofits, whatever it is, a college is a hotbed for act- of act- young adult activity and kind of the next generation of, act- of things that are going to be happening. And so when you want to apply, make sure you check out everything you can about a college and be like, why do I want to go here mm-hmm. beyond just the academics? Academics are important, but... There's so much more than college than just academics that make your college experience. And so when looking back, I was like, you know, I wish I'd spent more time researching colleges and their different opportunities. Even though I didn't know what I wanted to do for my career, just finding out what was available at a school and maybe some things that I generally liked, whether it was the college atmosphere, the sports about it, the physical environment of the university itself, 
I think really would have been helpful in my own process. But again, ultimately it worked out for me. I went to a great school and, and, and you know, I'm currently in a great spot in my life where I'm, where I'm happy where I'm at. But it easily could have been a very different scenario where I could have transferred or things mm-hmm. couldn't have worked out. Um, so, so, so what I'm hearing you say is that at 18, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do or what you want to become as long as you're going to college. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that, that is... But, but choose, choose the college that's tailored for you. Exactly. And, and so I want to give uh, a couple notes on that is that not everyone needs to go to a four-year university. Okay. Community college is an amazing route, one okay. that I didn't pursue, but it, again, is not a knock on the, on the community college route mm-hmm. itself. I, mm-hmm. have a, I have a lot of friends that I went to UCLA with that transferred from community colleges. So when I say applying to colleges, that could be community college, that could be a four-year university, whatever it is. Explore all your options and really give yourself the most opportunities as possible to find a place landing for you. And okay. that doesn't mean necessarily knowing your career, but finding a place that's going to help you grow personally and help you move towards finding out what you want to do. And it's fine if, if you go through the process and you find a college suited for you. It's fine to get on campus of, of whatever college of your choosing and not know what you want to do. 100%. 100%. You can easily go to a college and figure out, when I went to my university, UCLA, I had no clue what I was doing until okay. I was a senior in college. Nice. Um, and I happened to fall into a class um, where I worked as an intern, or and I was encouraged to apply by my by my supervising teacher to say, "Hey, you know, there's te- teaching assistant positions available at the school. You should apply and see if it's something you're interested in." And ultimately, I did. And you know, I've been working there for three years now, and and now I'm going to be moving on from the school to go pursue a higher education. So, so it took you three years to fit, or four years to figure out what you wanted to do while in college. Yeah, it took me three, four years. You yeah, know, you, you, and that's fine. And exactly, it's fine. I mean, as long as you're making the most of your time there and not squandering mm-hmm. it, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. That I don't mean to say that go through and just kind of you know have everything fall in your lap and you know just kind of take it for granted. No. Go to college and try as many things as possible. Okay. Try a sport. Try a club. Try, you know, do student government. Join a fraternity. Join a sorority. Do whatever you want to do. But find some involvement in something and take a risk to do it. Because you may not realize, hey, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to do this. I'm not sure if I want to do that. I may not like it. it who cares? It doesn't matter. Try it. You don't like it for a few months? Quit. Do something yeah. else. But until you take a risk for yourself and put yourself out there, you're not going to know what you're going to like, which is something that I would encourage people to do their freshman year. Go in there, join a group, join whatever, try it. You don't like it, move on. You will eventually hit something. I, I can't believe that someone would join something and not find something by the end of their four years, mm-hmm. whether it's a group of people or an organization or a class or whatever part group they're a part of. Take risks with yourself because college is the time to take risks and apply yourself because that's what you're there for. That is... Fucking deluxe. Because, uh, you know, I hear a lot of stories on how, like, oh, man, I hated college. I hated my four years. And I'm going to go out on the limb and assume that because those people never took risks. You know? Those people never explored. Those people never took a gamble on this, like you said, club, this sport, this group that is totally different than what they're used to. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So you, you're, you're on this podcast telling people, take risks, take gambles, check it out. Yeah. Because you'll never know what you're going to enjoy. Exactly. Unless you try it. Exactly. And college is such a, such a uh, 
you know, hopefully where you go is it's a, a college offers you, you know, a lot of these opportunities because you could go to a small school of thousand kids, yeah. and, you know, in a small part of the country, in a small city, and you could easily not have these opportunities. So again, I know not every school has that, but, you know, don't just go through school, you know, taking your classes and keeping your head down. It's important to look up and see what's around you and see the opportunities outside the academics because, again, I, something I touched upon in the beginning when I talk about what I enjoy most of people is relationships. Mm. College is built upon relationships and the people you meet and the things you do and the people you connect with, um, which I think is one of the most important things you can do when you're in college. So, you know, for all those high school students, college students out there, you know, take risks and really give yourself as many opportunities to succeed as possible. And that is, that is not just me just academically, but, you know, in your whole sphere of life. That, that brother, that's deluxe. If you don't take anything else away from this, this episode, take that away. Take risks. Mm-hmm. Learn something about yourself mm-hmm. that you normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of touched upon uh, what school you went to, but just just give it to us. What school did you go to? So I went to UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, okay. and I graduated in 2015, so about three years ago. Okay, awesome. Um, so can you give us, I mean, we just talked about risks and, and taking risks. What were some of the risks you took? So when I entered UCLA... Um, I was running track in high school and was a pretty successful track runner, but I, again, didn't really explore a lot of colleges or, you know, get myself out there as an athlete to where I would have gotten scholarship offers for some bigger schools. Um, so when I went to UCLA, I reached out to the coach, said, you know, Coach Gray, Johnny Gray was the coach at mm-hmm. the time, um, I want to try out for the team. said, you know what, we're training in the summer, here's our schedule, come out and join us. So I came out and trained um, with the team for the first six months of my, of my UCLA career, and it was kind of it was tough because I was trying to be a Division One athlete, but I didn't have any of the benefits of being a Division One athlete. Okay. Right? Did you were a walk on? Were you a walk on? I was a walk on, so okay. I wasn't even on the team yet, and I didn't have like you know early enrollment for classes. I didn't have the academic resources. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of the things that are given to athletes that make their schedules and kind of life's easier athlete, uh, you know, wise. And, and fortunately. I came from, you know, a school where I had a good education, had some good study habits, so academically, you know, I felt like I was prepared, but having to juggle both, though, was a completely different story. So I took a big risk trying to travel with the team and thought, you know, this is what I want to do with my, my UCLA career. I want to be a Division One athlete. I want to run track. And I went through the year. I made the team mm-hmm. after a long season. As a walk-on. As a walk-on. I made the team, and I was able to compete in some of the, you know, meets that we had, mm-hmm. but... You know, I I trained and I kind of put my whole life into it. And my grades were not great. They weren't awful, but they weren't great. They were definitely not what I wanted them to be. And I finished the year, and the year ended. You know, they did, and I started coming in the summer. I was training again. I was like, you know what? I'm ready to come back. And they told me right when I was about to, when I started summer summer training. I said, you know what, Jacob, we're going to cut you mm-hmm. for the year. You know, we have a new class coming in. You're welcome to walk on again and see how you do. But mm-hmm. we, you know, we got to clear it from roster space. Said, I understand, like, you know, you know, it's not personal, it's, you know, team dynamic. And I came in in my summer, you know what, I'll come back sophomore year, I'm going to come out, I'm going to be gunning for it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it, I'm going to come out there and get my spot back. And summer went on and I realized, you know what, man, I got a lot of people that I know that I've met through college, through classes, that college isn't just Division One athletics. You know, for some people that works, for some people it's great, and, and I have a deep love for my sport, but... There's so much more that college offers mm-hmm, than this, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spend my career every year trying to be a walk-on, trying to make the team. Okay. And what made it especially hard, too, which was 
seeing some guys that had an immense amount of talent go out there and, you know, kind of party and not take it seriously and, you know, still be on the team while mm-hmm. I was giving 125% mm-hmm. and getting on, trying and barely made the team. And I had to compete with guys who were giving 50% effort when I was getting 125%. And so it was a hard, a hard reality for me to be like, you know what? This is not what I need to do for myself. It's not what's going to help me achieve my best self and help me enjoy college. So I said, you know what, Coach Gray, I appreciate your opportunities you gave me, but this, this, this uh, sophomore, my sophomore year, I'm going to have to say I'm going to have to quit the team. You know, yeah. I know I'm not on the team, but I, you know, I'm going to, you know, resign from, you know, training with you guys. Yeah. yeah. And you know, everything ended and ended as well as it could, and and I started my how you know, started my sophomore year like. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I just gave up the last five years of my life. I've been track and field. Mm-hmm. Doing, running, training all the time. Like, I don't know what it's like to have to not have sports all the time. Yeah. How did you feel? Um, I felt a little bit lost. Okay. I felt a little bit like I was a little bit rudderless. You know, didn't really have a direction for what I wanted to do. Um, but fortunately, I had a buddy that I met, my uh, buddy Nils. Shout out to Nils Klaassen. Nils Klaassen. Yay, um, yay. And he was a guy that I met that just had that kind of personality, those magnetic personalities that you wanted to be around. And he said, you know, Jacob, you know, I know you ran track. And I, I met him through um, a couple of buddies of mine on campus, kind of just random connections. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I ran, you know, you ran track. Like, have you ever thought about playing Ultimate Frisbee? And I said, you know, I, you know, played a little bit. It's a fun sport. I grew up playing disc golf on the course nearby my house, but I never really gave it a shot. He's like, you know what? You came out and played frisbee in a couple years you'll be you know an amazing player like your speed and athleticism from track will help you make you like an alter athlete so he knew you were an athlete he knew i was an athlete he knew that i had the talent he said you know if you channel out into a sport that's not dominated by super freaks or not Mm -hmm. dominated by individual athletes you come out there you'll ball out and you'll and you'll you know have a great career and i ended up sophomore year trying out for the frisbee team and i thought oh it's gonna be easy you know i've i've run X amount of miles per week and I yeah. lift weights and, and I go out there and I put cleats on and I go out there and run and I'm like, holy shit, like, this is hard. Like, <laughs> it's a different, it's a different uh, sport. It's a di- different muscles are used. You know, it's a different mentality. It's yeah. completely different. And, but I loved it. I loved it and I felt like, you know, now I'm playing a sport again where I, you know, find the joy in it and I find joy in this activity and it wasn't my whole life. It wasn't, oh, you know what? You're doing Frisbee in school. That's your life. No, I was like, Frisbee, I could focus on school, I could spend time with friends, I could go out. I felt like I had more balance in life, but I also had a group of friends that I could connect mm. with. And that's mm. kind of when I started figuring things out and made, started branching out in college to people in Frisbee and other my classes and getting to know people outside of, you know what, I'm going to train, go to bed early and focus all of my life around being the best track runner I can. So that was kind of the shift for me. Um, so it, it was sort of like two risks. So one, you risked quitting some or, or stopping let's not say quitting mm-hmm. you stop something that you've been doing for the last five years of your life mm-hmm. which was track mm-hmm. right yep you stopped it and then the other risk you took was playing a sport that you had never played or not never but never done it with with conviction yeah right mm-hmm. so two big risks yeah so the big risk was going into college and saying you know what i'm going to dedicate myself wholeheartedly to division one sports and take a shot and i took a risk with that and i made the team but ultimately I kind of stopped my freshman year because I feel like I got consumed by it and didn't explore all the opportunities that were given to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then all that risk paid off for me in achieving my goal of making the team. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I lost a lot by not pursuing a freshman year where I was exploring all the other venues of school. 
And I don't regret yeah, my decision. That's huge. I don't regret my decision because if you live with regrets, you're, you are going to, you know, live in a life where you're constantly looking to the past mm-hmm. when you should be looking to the future. Um, but, you know, taking that, then quitting, which is a risk in itself, and saying, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, let's try something else. I did, and I know this is sport focused in college is more than sports, and I yeah. know does sports, so whatever that is for some people, theater, music, club, club groups, whatever it is, you know, it's important to take those risks because it'll... It, you, you need to do it in order to figure out what you need to do for yourself, ultimately. And you don't know what's going to come out of it. You don't. Yeah. And that's the best. That's the, kind of the excitement behind it is... is exactly. Is the excitement. excitement that's a great word to use. Enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's that the excitement that, that comes with being in college and, and doing those things and never knowing what the next day is, but also leaving yourself open to, you know, have those opportunities. For so. sure. For sure. I mean, you, you've given us some great info for uh, maybe a future student. For maybe a current student, I mean, I, th- I think you've given us some deluxe info, all right? Um, let's transition into your thoughts on Santa Barbara, Galita area mm-hmm. compared to the Los Angeles area. Well, if you compare, have to compare Galita and Los Angeles, well, I say Galita's not a sleepy, it's not a small town, 5,000 mm-hmm. people, everyone knows everyone. It's still a vastly... Um, different environment than it is in Los Angeles. In in Galita, you have kind of one demographic, one kind of lifestyle that you go up there. It's this beach townie, you know, Mm -hmm. have a family, have a couple kids, have a dog, you know, go to the beach on the weekends, kayak, surf, whatever. It's a very beach townie, um, which is is beautiful and pleasant. It's a lot of what a lot of people enjoy, but it can get kind of, you know, in some some ways, sleepy town. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very mellow, but if you're looking for kind of like a nightlife or, you you know, a diverse, um, you know, population where there's different, you know, live music and art and food and sporting events and all those things, Santa Barbara does not have that at all. Mm-hmm. And so coming to Los Angeles, you know, the only really knock I have in Los Angeles is truly really the traffic and the density of, course. of the population because it dictates what you do in your everyday. But yeah. you can get any type of food you want at any, any place. Always. All the time. You know, you can go to any kind of concert you want mm-hmm. at any time. Um, there's a nightlife out, there's the beach there, mm-hmm. you can go hiking, you can even go, you know, you can go camping if you want to. Everything is, was, is, you know, with an hour or two shot away. Yeah. And so being in Los Angeles, it's just, it's been a, as a young adult, it's been an amazing opportunity because I've been able to, you know, discover new music and, and do new things with my friends and explore these different opportunities down here that I would never have had in Santa Barbara. I would have stayed in Santa Barbara, lived kind of the same old life mm-hmm. and never really got experience. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what life is like. It's not about being this kind of sleepy town environment, but Los Angeles is a much better reflection of what the world's like in terms of diversity. So um, while I miss Santa Barbara and it's dear to my heart, yeah. Los Angeles has also been my home for the last seven years and, and hey. you know, still hold a place in my heart even when I have to leave. So Yeah, I, I mean, I love that. What do you think or what is your opinion about the raza in LA? You know, anybody of Latino culture, what do you think about them? I mean, where I grew up, I never viewed I never viewed race as like a separate differing uh, a separating factor in my okay. community. I never felt like oh there's the Hispanic population, the African American population, the Asian. It just felt for me it was like people were people. People, people yeah. were people. And coming to Los Angeles, it feels like it feels though like, since there's so many people here and there's just such a bigger political landscape that mm-hmm. I feel like those the separation between races is more apparent. Okay. Even though it's mo- more diverse, I feel like since there's like K Town mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. all these different Filipino Town, Filipino Little Tokyo, town, and there's populations of each different race kind of you know 
in different pockets of LA, you feel the kind of separation between each, but at the same time, while there is a separation, you feel this distinct, you know, culture that maybe you're not a part of. Mm-hmm. It still adds this kind of melting pot that's still unique, that is still welcoming to all people. And I feel like LA as a whole, though, is an amazingly open and welcoming and very progressive mm-hmm. town, regardless of all the political landscape that's happening yeah, yeah, on the federal course. level with the presidency and this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA has been a champion, in my eyes, of yeah. you know equality and diversity, and so. You know, being around being around the Hispanic population, Asian, whatever it is, I felt like I have never been like, oh, you know, I feel like an outsider. I feel, you know, hanging out with a boy Tovar at work. You know, hey. I'll be the honorary Mexican hey. in, in, in the group, as they say, the 15% Hispanic. Well, there's a, I, there's a rumor going around you're a 25% Hispanic after today. I don't I, know if that's true or not. I, You know what? I can't do myself any percentages up to my, uh, my fellow compadres <laughs> and my fellow bromigos to determine my... Uh, my affiliation. But the, the point is is that being in Los Angeles, if you keep an open mind and you're a good person, it doesn't matter what race you are. You're mm-hmm. going to make friends in any community. Exactly. You're welcome to any community you're a part of. And so that's one thing I've come to realize. Exactly. At the time. And even coming over here to Hollywood, which is not where I'm there normally yeah. spend time. Yeah. And in places I'm not usually around, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel out of place. I don't feel like I don't fit in here. It's like I'm here hanging out. On the podcast. And speaking, uh, to, t- to touch on that, you usually don't drive through the streets of LA. No. Most part. Well, I mean, I, I do. But, yeah, you know, but, but if I'm going around your area. Way, all the way from LAX, all the way up to Pasadena, uh-huh. driving that far up and uh-huh. taking all the side streets is not a usual drive for me. Okay. So on your way over here, because we record from Hollywood, California, um, what did you notice? What did you see? What did you feel? What did you experience? I mean, you go through where I live at. I live down here in Lower Culver City near the airport. Okay. So, you know, it's about a, it's only about a seven, eight mile drive. But over seven and eight miles, you're never going to, you're never going to see such diversity in terms of, in terms of the population you're driving through, the types of buildings, you know, the architecture, the parks, whatever it is, you're never going to see such a diversity um, in any other city. Maybe a few of the major cities in, in, in uh, the United States, but you driving through, you know, highly gentrified areas mm-hmm. where you have, you know, like these big mansions and houses where it looks like no one lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you have areas where it's like, you know, you have houses jammed together, tall fences, yeah. you know, uh, trash everywhere. And you, you just are exposed to so much as you drive through and it can go from one to the other in, in you know, within a couple blocks. And it's kind of a, it's a very unique thing you're going to see. And so for anyone that comes to Los Angeles and visits, you know, Take time to not just go to the main busy sites, Venice, Hollywood, you know, um, you know, Sunset. Don't just check out the main trips. You're going to see diversity, but drive through the city, you know, stop by random places, check out, just don't go for the main sites because there's so much more that LA offers than besides its main touristy sites that you see because yeah. it's not a, a fair reflection, I think, of the diversity in Los Angeles until you actually physically just go from, let's say, LAX, Pasadena, take all the side roads yeah. and, and just don't go take the 110 and the 10 and this yeah. and that, you know. Don't go sit in traffic. Don't go sit in traffic, exactly. Which is Learn the, the people. Learn the people, stop by random places for food, <laughs> ask, ask people on the street where's the best food at because they'll tell you. Uh, and uh, I think one of the things I want to touch upon that that, that you mentioned it, it's it's true. If I go down to Little Tokyo, I don't feel out of place. You know, it might be it might be like a, a Japanese culture per se, but I feel like I fit in. Mm-hmm. I drive down to Koreatown, same thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I fit in. So I think LA is is that super diverse area where everyone, for the most part, is going to welcome you, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. You agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, I 100% agree, and 
I think that's that's the nice part about living here and what really makes it an enjoyable place. Um, it's such a it's such a unique, diverse, welcoming community. I love that. So we're starting to wrap this up, bro, amigo. Give me, give me, what is your life looking uh, going forward look like? So I, starting in June, I will be starting my uh, graduate program at UC Santa Barbara, UCSB, and I'll be getting my teaching credential nice. along for for elementary school, my MST, multiple subject credential, okay, um, as they call it, as well as my master's in education. Nice, nice. So that that's that's next on your uh, life steps. That that is next on my life steps, and I, you know, people say, "Oh, what's your long term plan?" And I was like, "You know what? You got to do one step at a time." Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. um, so. My goal is to finish school, get a job teaching somewhere, whether that's Santa Barbara, L.A., wherever it is in, in, the, in the state, uh, okay. not country. you got to have a state credential yeah. for where you, get your, uh, for where you do your uh, teaching. Okay. Um, but I'm just doing one step at a time. So beyond that, uh, I don't know my exact plan yet. So that's kind of where I'm, where I'm projecting myself and looking forward to. Right. I'm really looking forward to my next step in my career and starting my graduate program. Nice. Nice. I mean, I want to give you a big shout out for that and a big congrats yeah. for that. Let's let's end with some closing thoughts, some closing words. Bro Migo, what is your life philosophy? You put in what you what you get out. Mm. Which means which what? Which means that what you put into whatever you do, mm-hmm. relationship with the people you are, studying for graduate school, your job, sports, whatever it is, is what you're going to get out. If you're with your friends and you don't, you know, you don't make the time to get dinner with them, you don't make the time to, you know, do favors for them, you don't make the time to look out for them or, you know, be a listening ear, mm-hmm. you're going to get a friendship out of that that is going to reflect the same amount of value. Hot garbage. In this case, hot garbage. <laughs> Whether it's graduate school. If you're not studying yeah, yeah, yeah. hard work report, again, some people are naturally gifted and yeah. get things out of life and that's fine. Like, I understand that and everyone's got their strengths, but you have to work towards something. So yeah. once you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. And while I use relationships as an example, which I think is one of the most important ones mm-hmm. that applies to, but again, that applies to you know sports. If you're if you're training two days a week for a sport and yeah, you expect to be uh, great at it, it's not going to happen. Nope. If you're training seven days a week, six days a week, and you're in you know you're busting your ass for it, then you you're going to get good results. Yeah. Out of it. And if yeah. you're not, then you just you know re, you know it's not a lack of effort; it's just how you're approaching it. So. The big thing I, I like to live my life by is what you put into what you do is what you get out of it. Whether that's relationships, academics, sports, whatever it is. For reals. Hey, that's the, For reals, that's the deluxe life lesson of today. <laughs> and, and before we end this, I want to uh, give out a little known fact on my boy, the bro Migo. His claim to fame is he is the originator of our intro. You're listening to... My boy, Tovar. You're listen- Californiano. <laughs> and, and for those people that don't know, my dog's name is Chapultepec. But according to my boy, the bro Migo, his name is... Chapulco. <laughs> I love that. I love that. As we're finishing this podcast, we're also finishing our beverage of choice, for, which for you, bro Migo, is... The beverage for today or my beverage in life? For today, for today, brother. The Order of Hermes by Modern Times is a fantastic beer, perfect for a summer day or a casual outing. Okay, well, what kind of beer was it? It was a sour. And how'd you um, like it? It was deluxe. Can't go wrong with that, brother. Great tasty beer. You heard it here from Senor Bay. Hey, Senor Bay. <laughs> and I was drinking the uh, Heller High Watermelon by 21st Amendment Brewery. 
It's a wheat beer, 4.9 alcohol volume. Deluxe. Uh, today's consejo de la doña is, si no te gustan los frijoles, pues no comas. Este no es un restaurante. And with that, ya se ha terminado el show. I los guacho. This has been another WTHA production.